The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Nice to be with everybody this morning. So as you probably remember, those who've been part of the group, uh, we're beginning a series of instructions on the Buddha's teachings on mindfulness of breathing. And as I mentioned last week, it's really the most subtle and complete set of meditation instructions that the Buddha gave. It's really all we need. And the important thing to understand is that it's really just the initial instructions, the first two really, out of 16, that are about this exclusive attention to the breath. But it's a really important piece of the whole picture because we're correcting a habit that I talked about last week. Actually, for the last few weeks, you might remember back several weeks when I talked about mental proliferation or just the deep habit of distractedness. So deep and pervasive is the habit, so distracted by distractions that it's normal. So we don't realize most of the day the mind is distracted because it's the new normal, being distracted, being kind of attending to this and then a shiny object over here and the mind attends to that and then the mind has some judgment about noticing that and then it looks at that and, and it's just sort of flitting about. Attention is flitting about, paying attention to this and that pushed around by its likes and dislikes, which are just habits, but never balanced, never stable enough to realize that activity that we might call distractedness, superficiality, diffuseness is a word that's used, mental proliferation. And this is what we would consider a a normal, ordinary, worldly mind the kind of mind we live with most of the time. And then, if we're lucky, we get a sense of how limited it is for the mind to be acting or relating, showing up in that way, and so we undertake a training. And it's really useful to think of this, especially the initial parts of the training or the practice, as a training. We're retraining the mind because we need this counterweight to the deep habit of distractedness. So we construct something we call a practice of non-distractedness. And there are many ways to do this, but one way is to use the breath, the ordinary physicality of breathing in and breathing out that we might feel in the upper abdomen, we might feel it in the rib cage, we might feel it at the tip of the nose or in different places. But sure enough, there is this very concrete, accessible experience of breathing in and breathing out. Until the breath gets really refined and subtle, it's pretty easy to notice that we're breathing in and breathing out. And one of the great things about using the breath as a training object is it changes. So as the whole system of the heart, the body and mind settles, the breath becomes more refined. So it takes a more sensitive, careful, interested and relaxed attention to notice the breathing in and breathing out. 
So it's doing exactly what we want. Like as things settle down, the breath isn't so obvious. It isn't so concrete. It becomes shorter, more subtle, more refined. So the way, in a sense, awareness is listening, attending, opening to the breathing process, it also then has to match that refinement and subtlety. So in this way, we're training the mind to go, the sensitive mind, the knowing mind, to go from being really kind of gross and dense and not very sensitive to becoming a very sensitive instrument of knowing. And this is what we need, like what keeps us in our cycles, our whirlpools of suffering and stressful ways of relating, is that we're not noticing it. It's happening on too subtle of a level, so we just keep doing what we've always done, getting the same results, because we just don't have that breadth and depth, that subtlety to recognize how unproductive this way of being, this way of relating is. So if we really sensitize the heart and mind, the way of being aware, then we really see. It's kind of hard to bear when we have, because it amplifies all our bad habits, basically. The sensitivity does. The stability of awareness amplifies everything. Every color seems a little brighter. Every sound seems more vivid. Every sensation feels more intense. Every quality of the mind seems more powerful. But it isn't that experience has necessarily changed. It's just the quality of attention, the quality of knowing is very refined. So we have a very sensitive instrument. And then we can really see, oh, this is a cause for stress. Oh, this is in the direction of release. We just learn about what's wholesome and unwholesome, unavoidably, when the system gets stable. And the Buddha says as much in one short little teaching. He says, in the same way the Ganges River flows from the mountains to the ocean, the mind or the heart uh, moves toward Nibbana, moves towards this unshakable release when there is samadhi, when there is the stability of awareness. So, you know, the, the important thing about the instructions we worked on this morning is it may seem really simple and like a preliminary practice. Okay, I just need to bring my attention to the breath and sustain that present moment attention as I'm breathing in and then aware of the out-breath and sustaining the awareness through the out-breath. But this is a good sign if you notice that that wasn't that easy to do continuously, right? If you really thought it was easy, either you're a pro, <laughs> which is great, or, like I was saying a few minutes ago, we're so distracted by distractions, we don't even realize we're not tracking the breathing process. So to really start seeing more vividly how hard it is to be continuously aware through one in-breath and then through one out-breath and to do, you know, one and a half breaths without distraction, like to see that that's great to be there through the duration of one breath in with no wavering, no distractedness, 
It's like we're kind of gazing at the candle flame or gazing at something. And there could be other shiny objects around, but the, the mind is unwavering because it's interested. It's not afraid of the other shiny objects, things that might draw the attention away. It's just interested and settled with this one thing. And initially, only for really the first two instructions, we're using this exclusive awareness as a training. We're really breaking the habit of distractedness, breaking the habit of the mind going wherever, wherever the next shiny object is. And then it sees the next, you know, hears the next sound or sees the next sight or feels the next sensation or notices the next sound. And then it proliferates around that. And then it notices that and it reacts to that. And then there's another shiny object. It notices that. Then it notices its opinion, its liking or not liking of it. And then it reacts to that. And then it, and on and on. And this is what we call a human life. Just this uh, train of associations, one thought leading to the next, leading to the next, and then we go to bed, and then we wake up, and it's the same thing. So we're realizing what that is, stressful, and not productive of learning, or not productive of insight, so that at the end of the day, I don't have deeper insight, deeper understanding about the nature of my own heart and mind, and what's in the direction of release, and what's in the direction of more stress. I haven't learned anything. So that's really the danger of just doing what we've always done. Distraction leading to more distraction. Is that it itself, that way, is stressful, and it doesn't support learning or insight. So we need a kind of confidence, a kind of effort, which is why I thought it would be nice for us to dig in a little bit about effort today. What is wise effort? And for those of you who are able to stay for the small groups, so we have Shannon Gibney and Nancy Bowler, two of our teachers and leaders at the center who have volunteered to help the community divide into groups of three or four at the end for 20 minutes or so. So if you have some time, stick around and uh, somebody will help you form groups. And one of the things you can check in and check in about in that small group is just this question of effort. What effort is actually helpful in sustaining that present moment of awareness and breaking habits of distractedness and superficiality? And remember, it isn't that awareness of the breath in and of itself is more important than any other object of experience. But what is important is the mind realizing that it doesn't have to look at every shiny object, every experience that's coming and going. Because the basic habit is to look at whatever experience appears initially to be most provocative or interesting, and to then get pushed around by whether I like that experience or I don't like it and then usually respond to that liking or not liking, and on and on, like I've described. So by taking something relatively ordinary, like breathing in and breathing out, for most of us, most of the time, is an ordinary, relatively neutral experience, 
And then we're getting a sense of what it's like for this mind, this heart, not to be dependent on the diversity of experience, the multitude of sound and sight and, and thought and sensation, smell and taste to some degree, how to seclude or how to retreat from that habit of being dependent on, having an opinion about, a reaction to. Now I'm taking a vacation by first tracking the in and out breath and then noticing that collectedness, that gathering, that settledness, and noticing how with that settledness, with that inner stability of present moment awareness, then I can have a different relationship to the diversity. So that's really the third step, which is we're learning as we're breathing in and out to experience the whole body. But see, now from a different point of view, with my ordinary mind, my ordinary level of wisdom and attention, when I'm aware of my body, I'm kind of looking at it from this egoic place that I'm concerned about that tension in my shoulder and I'm liking this feeling here. And so I'm really aware of the body, but definitely my awareness of the body is colored by my liking and not liking. But when we've really done those first instructions where we've established mindfulness to the fore, which means we're remembering what mindfulness is. Oh yeah, I'm remembering to be aware. I'm remembering that this is being known. And I'm going to use the ordinary breathing process to kind of really get established in that experience of mindfulness. So really what we're holding to the fore, what we're keeping in mind, is this particular capacity the mind has to be aware and to know what it's knowing, to know that it is knowing the present moment experience. And we're using the breath. And then the second instruction is really about noticing going from gross, ordinary breathing to the subtle, refined breathing that is reflecting the subtleness of the whole mind and heart, right from being distracted and scattered, pushed around by my likes and dislikes. Now things are becoming settled, what we call the beginning of samadhi, that unification or that gathering, all the energies of the mind now coming together around the single purpose of being, in, being present, and using the breathing process as a convenient experience to support that gathering, that unification of present moment awareness. So there's that settling, and we're using exclusively the breath as a physical happening to support that gathering. No, you, there are other ways to do this, and I talked about this in the past weeks, you know. Mantra, people have used mantra, people use hearing, People use visual visualizations or just looking at an object like the candle flame or gazing out, you know, at some distance, seeing the woods or seeing the sky, seeing the clouds. But holding that particular experience as a training object, this is what I'm interested in. This is what I'm attending to. 
this is what I'm opening and allowing to be exclusively so that I'm forced to not do all the other things I'd be doing with my attention. So it's really more about unhooking from the habit of distractedness, superficiality, diffuseness, that kind of hypervigilance where, like all a lot of animals, you know, when they're not asleep, they're kind of feeling obliged to notice what's going on around them. And that's good, you know, it can support survival when we're not in a safe space. But when we're in a safe enough space, we it's really powerful to be able to shut that off and to seclude and to gather in the secluded place all the qualities of the mind. And then when I do the third instruction, and the Buddha, interestingly, in the translation, it goes from, you know, um, breathing in, experiencing, you know, breathing in a longer breath, knowing that it's a longer breath, breathing out a longer breath, knowing that it's a longer breath, and then when it's more refined, breathing in a shorter, more subtle, more refined breath, knowing that, breathing out a shorter, more refined breath, knowing that. In the third instruction, the Buddha adds this phrase, one trains oneself. So breathing in, one trains oneself to notice the totality of the body, experiencing the whole body. One trains oneself to notice. So we're highlighting that even though the mind is gathered in the present moment, that gathering of awareness in the present moment doesn't exclude, doesn't need to exclude an inclusive awareness of the present moment. And it's a kind of insight where the Buddha is asking us to train the mind to notice this insight that on the one hand, there's the stability of present moment awareness that feels gathered and unified. And on the other hand, that gathering, that seclusion, that stability, doesn't get in the way of the inclusive of awareness of the present moment. Like there's a, there, there is this body sitting and it can go beyond just the physical sensations of sitting. It can go include the hearing and the seeing, smelling and tasting, and even awareness of mental activity, which we go to in the next set of four instructions. So I don't want to go there now. But it's the beginning of realizing that once present moment awareness has been stabilized, and we, and we, the mind knows that felt sense of being collected and gathered, then, then we can really begin the healing process by realizing there's a body here, the totality of the sitting body. And that builds some momentum when we start to experience a spreading calm through the body. The body and mind now are becoming good friends. We're breathing in. It isn't the body never exists without the knowing mind. There's no body without the knowing mind. It's a little bit like that old adage about like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there. Well, if there's a body without awareness, is there a body? Hypothetically, I guess, but the body as we know it, we know it only through the mind, through the sensitive heart. 
And so when we're in this place where there is some gathered present moment awareness, because we have that exclusive attention to the breath, and we really attuned to the gross and to the subtle as the breath was going in, and we use that as a feedback mechanism. So we, we basically saw cause and effect that as I let go of the diversity of my experience as a human being, I just attended to this one thing, breathing in and breathing out, over time, and it might be months of training, it might be through the course of a 15 minutes of a sit, but one way or another, gradually, we'll notice over and over again that transition from the breathing process, the physical breathing process, being ordinary and gross and relatively long, the breaths, to a more beautiful, refined, um, quiet breathing process, shorter breathing process, to a place where sometimes the sensitivity won't even keep up and the breath will feel like it's not there because it's so refined. We're still breathing in and out as long as we're alive, but it can be very refined when the whole system is settled. And then the Buddha asks, as I'm saying, for the third instruction um, to switch, begin to train yourself with the in-breath, with the out-breath. Notice how, with that collected awareness, it can be inclusive of the whole body without disturbing the settledness of that collected awareness. And that's a real insight, that I can be both settled and have this openness to the whole body, a non-exclusive. So the exclusive part of our meditation practice is really just for the first two out of the 16 instructions. In a way, the effort there for the first two instructions is very particular. It's a, it has a more courageous uh, flavor for it because we're, we're basically encouraging the heart, listen, I'm asking you for a while not to be concerned with the diversity of your experience. Not that it's bad, but please just know this one thing. Just attend to this one thing in a relaxed way, not in a gentle way. You don't have to get tight about it, Mark, but just know this one thing. Just know this one thing. Just stay interested and relax with this one thing. And it's like, in moments at least, we'll feel like, oh, that's asking a lot. That means I'm not worrying about my to-do list. I'm not looking out the window. I'm not wondering what the meditator next to me, whether they're settled and still or whether their body's moving, you know. We're only knowing one thing. It's a, there's a little death there because who I am is so related to this vigilance about the different experiences in the moment. And to just choose to be interested in one thing means I got a, a lot of what I am, who I am has to kind of get put aside. And so there will be some pushback. And what do we do? We just start over. And we notice, you know, we've taken the bait, we're lost in thought or obsessing, planning, whatever. And we start over. And we start over. And we start over like one of the teachers said, it's like training a puppy. You know, we're trying to teach the puppy. You don't pee on the carpet. You pee on these newspapers. And you pick it up, you put it, but the puppy doesn't know. We just 
When we don't get angry at the puppy, it doesn't make sense to get angry at the puppy, but we're really wholehearted about the training. It makes a lot of sense, even on an intellectual level, that we want to get good at times in our life to shut everything off but one thing. Because it's just um, it's a basic mental psychological skill we want to be have this exclusive attention. Like when you need to get something done at work <laughs> and you, you don't want to you know, fantasize or do this or that. You just want to attend to this one project or one task. So this is the, the muscle. And some people's minds will have kind of more competence at this and others will have less. It's only one skill, but it's a skill we all want to develop. And if we apply ourselves, the mind will get better at it. And if we don't apply ourselves, the mind doesn't get better at it. <laughs> it's just that simple. It's cause and effect. So if we just take the time and all we do is complain about how my mind's not very good at this exclusive attention to the meditation object, well, complaining about it doesn't increase our skill. What increases the skill is noticing when the mind has gotten distracted, staying relaxed when you notice you've gotten distracted, Notice what that's like. Oh yeah, distraction is like this. So you're back in the present moment, feeling and noticing what it's like to be distracted. Noticing there's a body here. Noticing the body's breathing in or breathing out. Establishing or bringing up, generating some interest, a relaxed but very persistent interest. Like, can I connect? Can I sustain this attention in that receptive way, so that I feel the breath from the beginning, the in-breath from the beginning to the end, out-breath, beginning to, to end. And then when that we can do that, we can stay interested in the breathing process, that's when you bring in the second instruction about that feedback mechanism from grosser breathing to more subtle breathing. And it's just refining the attentiveness, The right? It's like, when the teacher or when someone gives you something to really look at, you see more. Because, you know, you've got this little gimmick, like notice how sometimes the breath is more gross and how sometimes the breath is more refined. And just start connecting the dots. Oh yeah, when, when there's continuity, it goes in this direction towards refinement and subtlety and shorter and quieter. And when my mind gets stirred up or the body gets stirred up, then the breathing process becomes more ordinary and grosser and rougher and, you know, deeper. And, you know, it just, it looks like a normal breath in and out. And that really helps. Just like any biofeedback thing, you'd pay a thousand dollars to have hooked up to your body to kind of reflect how your mind is settling. We have it built in by just awareness of the breathing process. And it goes all the way because when the concentration gets really deep, the breath, as I mentioned, gets very refined. And then, like I was saying, the third instruction, we just have this insight that I can, the heart, the mind can be settled and I can begin to let go of the exclusive attention to the breath and start to feel into the whole body as I'm breathing in, experiencing the whole body as I'm breathing out. And basically the insight is I'm losing any fear 
that I'm going to lose my concentration by opening up. Because we initially misunderstand that unless I'm really attentive to the in and out breath, I'm going to lose this nice thing that I'm feeling, like this concentration, the unification, the subtleness. I don't want to lose it because it feels really right and good. So we have to get prompted by the Buddha. One trains oneself while you're breathing in, experiencing the whole body. And then train yourself as you're breathing out, experiencing the whole body. So we let go of our right life raft. We, we thought we needed the meditation object, whether it's the mantra or whatever someone might use. But in our case, we're using the physicality, breathing in and out. We lose our meditation object and notice more of a openness of the whole body as we're breathing in and out. And that helps us to relax because there's always going to be a little like sticking with the meditation object, a little intensity when we're doing that exclusive awareness to our meditation object. Now we have that more open awareness of the whole body. And then the fourth instruction, we're really noticing how calming that is, that the mind isn't disturbing the ease of the body by its agenda, right? Because we're just receiving the whole body as we're breathing in and receiving the sensations of the whole body as we're breathing out. And the bodily experience then begins to reflect that really wholesome way the mind is relating. The body and the mind are always relating, or I'm sorry, the body and the mind are always reflecting each other. So when the way the mind is aware of the body is really beautiful and wholesome, then the bodily experience is gonna reflect the wholesome way the mind is relating to the body, the wholesome way the mind is knowing the body. The body reflects the wholesomeness of the mind. And then also it works the other way where when the body is feeling really safe and relaxed and calm, that supports the deeper calm of the mind. Which is why the fifth instruction, the second set of four, begins with one trains oneself while you're breathing in, noticing the joy, the lightness, of that healing of the body and mind, which was the fourth instruction, right? So then joy arises in the mind because the mind and body are getting along so well. And how do we know? Because we start to feel a more and more pervasive calm, like it's spreading throughout the body. Every corner of the body eventually starts to reflect how wholesome it is the way the mind is showing up and knowing the body. It doesn't mean like all our bodily injuries have been healed, all our chronic ways of holding tension have gone away. It just means that the way the mind is aware is so beautiful and kind and inclusive and non-judgmental and not tight, that that's what's standing out in our subjective experience as we're breathing in and experiencing the whole body and the calm in the body, and as we're breathing out, experiencing the calm in the body. We're really feeling the wholesome, 
wholesomeness of the way the mind is knowing the body. But we feel it in the body. It affects the body. They mirror each other. And then that triggers the second set of four instructions are really about getting to know the activity of the mind in a more balanced and wholesome way, in a way that really leads to the <coughs> excuse me <coughs> to the deepening um, of insight. So in just to review, you know, in the first four instructions. So the first instruction establishing mindfulness to the four. We take a little time there at the beginning of the sit. What does it even mean to value mindfulness? What do I even know about what mindfulness is? And it, this is good to like memorize so that you can prompt yourself, okay, mindfulness, it's good to use the word remembering. Mindfulness is remembering that this is being known, that this experience. And that's when you bring in your training ground, which is the physicality, breathing in and out. Okay, so mindfulness is remembering that when the breath is coming in, remembering that these sensa sensations are being known. And when the breath is going out, it's all about remembering that these sensations are being known. The breathing out sensations are being known. The breathing in sensations are being known. So we're keeping the physicality of the breath in mind by remembering it's being known. That's how we keep it in mind. We reflectively know that it's being known. And then the second instruction is when we bring in this feedback mechanism from gross breathing to subtle breathing. And this is where we really learn a lot about wise effort because we don't try to get to the subtle breathing. We're just aware, we're just observing, tracking, breathing in, the physicality breathing in, the physicality breathing out. And we're noticing when we get good at that tracking, more continuity of present moment awareness, there's a natural movement over time from a rougher, longer, grosser breathing to a more short, refined, subtle breathing. And just having that feedback system in mind from gross to subtle, just all that it's there for is to inspire a closer attentiveness because we have something to help us get more interested in this exclusive way with our meditation object, which is breathing in and breathing out. And all that does is support the gathering of attention and the letting go of the diversity of whatever else might be going on in our present moment reality. The sights, the sounds, the thoughts, the memories, all of that is just in the background. You don't gotta get rid of the rest of your sensory experience. You just let it fall into the background of attention because all you're doing, not pushing it away, all you're doing is being interested in your meditation object or training ground, which is, as you know, the physicality of breathing in and out. We feel that coming together, that gathering, it's a good feeling. And at some point, when in, it's up to you, you've got to become independent of this, just go to the third instruction. The Buddha says, one trains oneself. When you're breathing in, experiencing the whole body. One trains oneself when breathing out. Experience the whole body, open, receive, allow the whole body to be known. So we're, the Buddha's asking, okay, 
You've used your meditation object effectively. Now we're changing it from the physicality of breathing out to this more diffuse experience of the whole body. So we're really learning that the breath of present moment awareness can suffice in maintaining present moment awareness. We don't need an, an exclusive object. It can be a more open object to maintain that settledness, the continuity of present moment awareness. And with that kind of more relaxed and continuous awareness, we start to feel the healing of the body and the mind as a spreading calm. And we keep that spreading calm in mind. It's the noticing the calm, wherever you notice it initially, that allows it to spread and deepen. You don't make it spread and deepen. It will naturally spread and deepen because you're noticing it wherever you notice it. Initially, maybe just one place you feel some settled calm in the body. So you just notice, oh yeah, there's some calm as I'm breathing in. There's some calm as I'm breathing out. With just an open, like, is it anywhere else in the body? Could it be felt, experienced, even in a faint way, anywhere else in the body? Oh yeah, it's spreading. Oh, great. So that's really the first, it's, they're called tetrads, four groups of four instructions. The first set of four that I went through today really has to do with the mind and body and the healing of the mind and body and the pleasure of that healing. It's really important to get to know the pleasure because it keeps us inspired to keep practicing. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.